Hello and welcome to another episode of When Life Gives You Lemons, Go Vegan, the podcast where I get to speak with incredible people who have overcome chronic diseases such as heart disease, type 2 diabetes, multiple sclerosis, breast cancer and so many more after adopting a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. I am your host, Corinne Nidja, and this week I'm speaking with Jennifer Sweater, who was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Her story is truly something special. I loved it. And this is, I think, the third MS story on the show, and including my own. And I just, obviously, because multiple sclerosis is such a personal topic for me, I, I really, really get a lot out of these stories from women who I really can relate to and that fear and that, you know, like every... Every disease that's been on this show, every condition that's on this show really significantly impacts the people who are living with them. But for me personally, hearing an MS story like Jennifer's, I was so moved. I was, I was just, yeah, it was really incredible for me to hear her story and what she went through and all the things she has overcome in her journey and yeah, if you have MS or you know someone with MS, I definitely recommend you share this episode with them because it was just so powerful. Obviously, as well as Rebecca, Rebecca's episode, now I don't know what number that was, but it's also another incredible episode about multiple sclerosis. So yeah, if you have someone in your family or in your life, if you can just say, look, even if you don't like podcasts and even if it might seem a bit crazy... Have a listen. <laughs> um, kind of people can be a bit, you know, oh, my gosh, I don't want to hear that. But, yeah, definitely check it out. It's really, really good. She, Jennifer is just so educated, um, and like self-educated and researched. She's a researcher in her career and she's just done so much research in this topic of health and nutrition and multiple sclerosis and healing and all those kinds of things and she – was so knowledgeable and wise and, yeah, I just, yeah, I loved listening to her. I loved speaking with her and meeting her. So, yeah, hi, Jennifer, if you're listening. Um, I loved our interview, so thank you so much for coming on the show. All right, enjoy this episode. So, hello, Jenny. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me. So excited to talk to you today and, and hear your story. So if you, I've given you a little bit of an intro. So if you would like to just go into your story of, yeah, where you started and how you found this way of eating and how your life was then and share a bit of that with us, that'd be so good. Thank you so much. Sure. So um, I kind of discovered plant-based eating. Well, I toyed with like vegetarianism and been a vegetarian for six years, kind of on and off throughout like college and my adulthood, um, never really noticed any health benefits from that per se, um, other than feeling good about what I was doing. But then, um, then after being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, um, I started making changes in my life just to, just to do more of the things that I wanted to be doing. Um, and so I was more like open to self-reflection at that time and, and then as I started following, you know, my truth and doing the things that I wanted to and pursuing all of my goals, um, I ended up meeting someone amazing who has now become a huge part of my life. And he, um, he just kind of talked to me about nutrition, 
um, he introduced me to the idea of, or to the idea that the fact that maybe what I was eating, um, could directly affect how I was feeling and, and my, my illness. He was kind of seeing what I was doing, injecting this drug every single day, you know, Copaxone. Um, and, and he was like, Hmm, I know, <laughs> I know how to heal you. And, um, and, and I wasn't, really all that skeptical. I was just kind of like, Oh, you know, it's a new way of eating. Um, I, and it wasn't even plant-based at first. It was just, it was just incorporating more fresh, raw vegetables into my diet. Um, a bunch of healthier choices with, in terms of, you know, drinking more water and, and just kind of understanding the human body. It really just started with like knowledge about what was going on inside of me that I couldn't really see. Um, and, and so that, that's kind of where, like, where it all started. It was just like doing the things that I wanted to do. Um, wonderful things started to happen in my life, started, you know, finding some solutions to problems that I was having, but not really able to solve on my own. And, um, and then an open-mindedness to trying something new and the results that I experienced were like, (laughs) just far beyond anything I could have ever expected or hoped for. I just like, I had this openness to, to, to healing and, um, and an amazing partner who wanted to help me and just see me, you know, get better. And, um, and then 10 months later, I'm, you know, (laughs) I'm a miracle. I'm, I'm, you know, losing 85 pounds and, uh, regaining vision that my doctors had told me I never would regain based on, you know, where it was caused and the damage. I was, you know, just feeling better than I ever thought that I could in this life. Like I just, I I just had no concept of how good I could feel. Oh my gosh. You're like, it's just such a, Every week, it might seem like I should be numb to this right now, but every single time I speak to someone and I hear their story, it never gets old. (laughs) Like, it just never gets old hearing your story and knowing, like, losing your vision and you're young, you're a young woman. Yeah, I'm 28 and um, the time that this happened, yeah, I mean, I so many things happened in my life that I can attribute to what, you know, what led to my disease and ultimately like my, my illness and these cluster of symptoms and just kind of this medical emergency basically. Um, but, but then just kind of like having to deal with that head on in, in a kind of combined way instead of just, dealing with the stresses of life, thinking that these things were normal, thinking that the way that I was pushing myself, you know, pushing my physical body, pushing myself mentally through stressors, like I just, I I wasn't able to piece it together. I just like knew that I was stressed out, thought that that was normal and didn't see another way other than just, you know, kind of trying different things here and there without any real direction. And then when it just kind of all got simplified for me <laughs> and, and it was all more intuitive than, than someone telling me you have to do this, this, and this off this mm-hmm. checklist and this is going to work for you. It was just like, no, it's about empowerment. Like I know how to, I, I can learn how to feed myself. I can learn how to take care of myself. And like the human body is so amazing that, that I can give my body 
what it needs to to do its job, which is take care of me. I'm going to have a little Oprah moment <laughs> because, you know, how she, I love how she just repeats things. And I, when you said it's about empowerment, it's something that I think everyone gets. Like this way of eating for me, like it might seem, people might think it's, like it, it, it tends to lean almost towards orthorexia to some people that they think that we become obsessed with the way we're eating and it's an obsession and all those things. But it's about empowerment. Like it's about empowerment to feel good in your body. And when you're thriving and and feeling great, of course you think, gosh, I only want to eat these foods that make me feel like this. I don't want to eat these foods that make me feel like I can't see and I can't feel my legs, <laughs> like in my instance. Why would I want to eat those foods when I can feel amazing and be empowered to think I can heal my body? Yeah. And just even like, even feeling myself in my own skin, like I, I realized, I mean, I was, I was obese. Like I was, I was obese for most of my life. I I can't ever remember a time not being at least overweight or feeling self-conscious about my weight, but but I never really had the the tools or maybe even the wherewithal to like make a big change cuz I didn't know where to start. Like I I just didn't know where to start and and so I'd you know hop on the train with a friend trying out South Beach diet or or try this here and there, but, but never really like had any success with weight loss. I just like had continued to gain weight throughout my life. And, um, when I would go see the doctor or even when I was diagnosed with MS, like nobody said anything to me about diet or like how, like, what are you fueling your body with to like give it the tools that it needs to do its job? Like that just, the conversation never happened inside of like the healthcare system. Um, it really only happened like when I met someone who really cared about me and had some knowledge that like was going to help me. And I think that's tricky because most people think that doctors know about nutrition and they just aren't. Like, I've done a lot of university over the years and I mean, I'm aware that even if like I was talking about like an education degree, you I did a, like a social work degree, for instance, and the amount of time spent on actual counselling in social work degree is is still tiny. You know, it's still not that much. And in a medicine degree, diet is even less than what you get of everything else. It's so general, and you get a tiny bit about diet, and basically just saying what the standard pyramid information or plate information is or what specifically is very bad for some diseases like heart disease or whatever, but it's really minimal and they just don't, it's just not focused on enough in, in, in medicine, in the colleges. They just don't know it. And it's it kind of, I mean, it, it seems so silly to me too, because all of the things that I'm learning and implementing, like, yeah, I spend probably four to six hours a day actually researching nutrition because I've I've taken a real interest in this. I mean, I've been a research assistant for a very long time. And so like, I enjoy just searching for all the information out there and trying to find the truth about things, especially when I have like access to databases and the, the skills to do so. Um, but, but I will say like that that's really not even necessary because what helped everything just click and, and just finding like finding what works for my body just from a basic standpoint. Like I'm still very early on in my journey. I have yet to 
start tweaking little inputs here and there. I'm just like enjoying eating all the fresh fruits and vegetables that I want with no consequence other than good health. <laughs> um, it, it's all very intuitive. It's, it's no longer, I mean, it, it never really was about like remembering what am I supposed to do here, counting things here and there or following any rules hard and fast. And, and even though like I do have a general diet, like I'm still a human and dealing with, you know, breaking the mother of all addictions, food that I've been <laughs> addicted to my entire life. So, so like I have to remember to give myself some grace too. Definitely. And I think that so many of us people, like when we do fall off the wagon or have that, you know, you have a time when you're faced with a stressful situation or an emotional situation where you may have resorted to food prior to eating this way, prior to kind of changing your way. It's still, it's, you know, if we, if you make a mistake, don't throw out the cart with the, with the horse, you know, like just go, okay, like I, you're human as I've been eating this, you know, we've been eating that way we were eating for much longer than most of us have been eating this way. So we just have to keep moving forward and just go, okay, like good health is in the next be kind to ourselves, you know, the good health is in the good food. We know that if you make a mistake, you make a mistake and you almost immediately feel pretty average when you do make those types of mistakes. Like for me, the the further away I am from that type of way of eating, when I eat it, I'm just like, oh God, I feel gross. And my husband's like, you knew you were going to feel gross when you ate it. <laughs> I'm just like, oh no. Sometimes but. you need that reminder because, you know, we're. <clears throat> I, I think about like all of the the like not just the weight that I've shed physically but emotionally too from from like just lightening up my body and and removing my like insulation from basically having to deal with everything in the world and and all the people that I've interacted with and the habits that I've formed over the years like removing that layer of protection has really just like opened me up to to facing everything that I don't know, that's built up my life or these lessons that I have to learn and like facing over and over and, and having like the clear mind now and, um, and just more like alignment to be able to, to understand like, what are the lessons that I have to learn in, in my life? And, and, and what have I done in the past that didn't really work? And, and how can I, how can I change it so that I don't keep facing these problems over and over like repeated you know just gaining weight all the time and and feeling unwell and and that like kind of coming to a head with 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 the multiple sclerosis diagnosis and an episode like all of that was kind of a just a wake-up call that like the my trajectory and and the path I had been used to was clearly not working I want to go back to hear more about your diagnosis and and how your health was prior to changing your your diet because you've, you've you've skimmed over it with your vision and we know you've had ms but a lot of people might not know what ms is they might not know what your first symptoms were they might not understand how you physically were like your overall symptoms like fatigue and all those types of things prior to eating this way and so i'd love for you to share Go back if you want to the dark times <laughs> and even just the fear and all those types of feelings that you have when you're diagnosed or before you're diagnosed, or you're waiting for diagnosis. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, sure. 
So um, at the time that uh, I, you know, really got sick and I, I spent two weeks in the hospital, um, it was like I was working at a job that um, I was overqualified for and was just kind of a, a, a very uncomfortable work environment that I was in. Um, high stress, but, but seemed like unnecessarily high stress for what the nature of the job was. And, and so I was, you know, unhappy in that, um, area of my life. I was kind of looking for new jobs, trying to figure out what to do next. Um, and while I was at work one day at the computer, I just like lights kind of started flashing in my vision in my field of vision. It, it felt like I had been staring at the sun and, um, and then there are all these spots in my vision. And so I'm like moving back and forth in front of the computer, trying to look around the spots and realizing like something's going on. Um, I don't have a history of migraines, but people were telling me this. It seems like you might be having a migraine. So maybe just take a break. Um, and I spent the next few days on the phone with ophthalmologists and um, setting up appointments with the Wilmer Eye Institute and, and just trying to get in touch with the right people to help me figure out what was going on because this vision problem was lasting over a period of days. So um, I had me having no experience with migraines, people telling me what migraines were like, they were saying, it sounds like a migraine, but this is just lasting for an inordinate amount of time. Um, and and even when I was at, um, when I finally got my first, I got my first MRI, um, neuro-ophthalmologist was waiting to look at the results and he was seeing the results of my field of vision test. Um, and I had lost about a quarter of the, the bottom right quadrant of my field of vision in both eyes was quite spotty and, and just a huge defect there. And he said, to be honest, I've never seen a defect this large without there being a mass. It was kind of jarring to hear that. And that's not actually what was going on inside of my body. So, it, um, you know, there's an example of uh, somebody jumping the gun with what they're saying and, um, and, and really, you know, Ter terrifying you. Yeah. I mean, it, well, it had the potential to be terrifying, but I also, um, I guess I'm, I, I'm very like, skeptical about things that people tell me. I'm, I, I'm very critical and I ask a lot of questions. So I wasn't really willing to accept like that you have a mass when he hadn't even seen the results of my MRI yet. They were still like waiting yeah. to see it. Um, and so, so I just said, you know, I'm going to stay calm, wait and try and find out what's going on before getting worked up about things. Um, but he just kind of told me when, and, and they misread my MRI at first, the first MRI. So they said, everything looks normal. You're fine. Um, I'm like, well, I'm missing a quarter of my vision, so I'm not fine. <laughs> and, and the doctor said, he said, yeah, I'll get a second opinion on this, but for now, just kind of go back to living your life as normal as you can. Um, and if anything worsens, then just go to the hospital and I'll be able to see you there. So a couple, I think it was a day or two later, um, I, I w couldn't see well enough to drive. So I was relying on friends to take me to work. And one morning as we were driving to work, I told my friend, you know, I really feel like I'm talking funny. My, it sounded like my speech was a little bit slurred and, um, and, and my 
side of my face felt a little bit numb. And he was like, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're probably just tired. And then when I got into work, a coworker of mine, she actually, she had Bell's palsy herself. And when she saw me, she said, you look like you have Bell's palsy or something, um, you know, took me to the ER right away. And, and from there, you know, it was wonderful, like 11 and a half hours in the waiting room before finally getting seen. And, and it, it just was like a one stressful incident after another that like the entire hospital experience was, it, it was incredibly stressful. Um, not a lot of information like coming into me. Um, I wanted to be an informed patient, uh, the age that I'm at and where a lot of my friends are. I mean, uh, I was at Johns Hopkins, which is a teaching school. So you have a lot of I, I felt like I was surrounded by my peers and I could communicate with them. I have background in psychology when they're talking to me about, um, you know, possibilities of what's going on. And when I kind of figured out what might be happening, I already, I already knew a bit about, um, these types of diseases. So the, in the hospital, I mean, it was just, <laughs> I don't know how much detail you want me to go into with that. Um, but I, basically was in the hospital for two weeks. Uh, it was just a very frustrating time because I wanted to be informed, wasn't getting a lot of information. Um, people weren't giving me answers. And when they didn't know the answers, which I didn't expect them to know the answers, uh, rather than just tell me like, let, you know, that's a great question. Let me find the answer and get back to you. They would just BS me. And I'm familiar with that language because I just got out of college. Like these are, you know, <laughs> I know what people are saying when they're talking like this to me. So um, I ended up with with this added stress of being in the hospital and, and not getting proper information. I ended up losing the full half of my field of vision at the worst of it in the hospital. And that day, I just remember like that was that was like one of the darkest days of, of my life. Um, I was... I, I didn't know what to do because things just kept getting worse. And, and I kept asking, you know, questions and it seemed like everyone was too busy to, to just like answer my questions truthfully. They just wanted to shroud everything and wait until they had it figured out to tell me th things. And, um, and yeah, I mean, my speech was slurred too, which I found out had nothing to do with MS. It was just all of this added stress. Um, and I remember like laying on the basement floor of Johns Hopkins hospital, like in the eye Institute in their basement and like, you know, missing half my vision. Oh. And also at that point I had like, I'd gone through three spinal taps because they kept botching them. And, and so, you know, drained of cerebral spinal fluid. I was dehydrated. I was just like very poorly taken care of. And, and then like on top of that, you know, lose half my vision and, um, and, and I was just kind of like clamoring for like, who, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, um, I felt like if I'm ad, I'm advocating so hard for myself, like I'm very educated with, with what they're talking about. So like, there's no excuse for them to, to not talk to me frankly. And, um, and yeah, I ended up just like searching for anybody that I knew at the, who had any connection to the hospital just to get like some sort of guidance or peace of mind or just know a little more information than what they were giving me. And, um, and it turned out that a, a former 
former classmate of mine from college, he was doing his residency at Hopkins. So he came by my room between his shifts and he um, offered to look in, you know, look into things a little bit for me to fill me in on what was going on. And, um, and it, it was just nice to have like, to know that one person who I hadn't seen in years would be willing to like, you know, go the extra mile to just kind of explain to me what was going on or fill in that gap and make things a little less scary in what was really just a tough, tough situation. Um, and from there, I mean, even though it was like, that was, that was kind of rock bottom for me. And from there things turned around, like I got a different doctor who was much better at communicating with me. Um, they, were able to analyze the results of my, um, spinal taps to, to make sure that, you know, to at least, um, you know, rule out other diagnoses like lymphoma, um, and, and, and then ultimately like they treated me for the lesions that were going on in my brain that were causing the inflammation to make my vision so terrible, um, and yeah, so then I was on steroids for a couple of days. They sent me home. Um, I came home and, and was resting and, and dealing with transitioning back to work. I ended up losing my job. Not that long later. It was just like one thing after another, I, like I could go on and on about all of these things that, that kept occurring. And I realized like, it's, you know, this, this whole like illness is something that, that I'm going to have to deal with an, an a pill or, you know, an injection or something like that isn't going to solve the problems. And, um, I knew that a lot of work ahead was going to be becoming. <laughs> I, there's so much like in that story and I have my heart, like I, oh, my heart just goes out to you for two weeks without knowing what's going on and having everyone just basically, trying to placate you without giving you any real information when you're terrified and feeling so alone. Oh, I just, I, I really can't imagine. But one of the things that I'm really taking away from what you said, and I think that so many people, they go to hospital and they, they trust their healthcare team. And I'm not saying you shouldn't trust your healthcare team, but just like Jenny's saying here, like Sometimes your healthcare team are the wrong healthcare team. You know, when she got a better doctor, she got the answers that she needed. So sometimes you need to just say, often you need to be the squeaky wheel. The squeaky wheel, unfortunately, gets the grease. And everyone doesn't want to be the squeaky wheel because we feel like we're a burden and there's other people that are sicker than us in hospital. But the squeaky wheel does get the grease, unfortunately. And in Jenny's case, like getting a different doctor was how she ended up you know, getting some answers and getting to the answers help you to feel calm and you know where you can move from there rather than being in this weird limbo state. It's just, yeah, I really recommend second opinion, third opinion, get different doctors, you know, wait, wait till you find one that you're really happy with. This is your life, you know, they're just people you can change. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing too, with the change of doctor for me was like bedside manner is a huge um, it's a huge thing for me, like being treated like a human and, and being treated authentically. Um, like I said, you know, because all the people, you know, the, the residents who were coming into my room and standing around my bed every day for rounds and, you know, watching me and asking questions and, 
and things like that, you know, I, I knew what they were going through in med school because a ton of my friends are in, you know, they're all the same age. So they're, they're in the same situation. And I know they're trying to learn and I, you know, had compassion for them in that sense. But, um, I also, I think sometimes people in throughout their training and trying so hard to learn something, um, they kind of forget the bigger picture at the end of the day, which is caring for people. And, um, and part of caring for people is, is treating someone as an individual and, and treating the person, not treating the illness. That is just so true. I do think that we become just beds, beds. Have you seen bed 12? Have you seen bed 14? Have you seen bed 20 or whatever? Where are you at? If it's not, who are they? What are they? You know, what are they up to? What do they need? What are they as people? Like, it's just... I think we do in so many different fields, we lose the humanity, like the actual individual care that is needed to really see a whole person as well. Not just a part of a person, a brain or an eye problem, or we seem to lose that there's a whole being there, not just a heart patient or a diabetic patient or a multiple sclerosis patient in your instance. Like we need to see the whole being. And then when you see the whole being, then you can start thinking more about, wider broader reasons and causes for disease and and solutions and also like remembering that that like we're all human and and not just in terms of like having compassion for people and and understanding that everybody's different and needs different kind of care but also like going back to you know just treating disease in general and how we see that like we all have something in common and that's that we're human and I think that I, I firmly believe that there is a general diet that fits the the human body. Like there's, you know, dogs have a diet, cats have a diet, like all animals out in the wild, they eat certain things that work well for them and they have no problems, you know, figuring that out. And, and why do we have such a problem with that? And now that like I and many, many, many others have, figured out what that basic human diet is and then implemented it to show like there are huge benefits to this. Um, I think that's kind of a great starting just trying that first, you know, asking, you know, going to the, the root cause of the problem instead of trying to throw all these inputs when, when the root cause is still there and still causing problems. Exactly. Exactly. And so many people, they have a chronic disease or a chronic illness and they basically put a Band-Aid on it, you know, like you put a Band-Aid on the illness or you get the illness cut out or burnt out or whatever we get, we treat it with, we put you know, poison into our bodies. And I'm not saying that they're not viable solutions when necessary, like they are. And I'm, again, I say this isn't a prescription because for you, whoever's listening, you know, only you know what you need to do. So, you know, trust your medical team, see whoever you need to see, do whatever you need to do. But um, we put a Band-Aid on and we're like, without thinking about what's happening in our guts, what's happening into our microbiome, what, what are we putting the fuel? We, we wouldn't do it to our car. We wouldn't, like, just put a silencer on our car when it's made. Like, I've got this, need to get a new starter motor. My starter motor is making this loud sound. I'm just going to go, oh, you know what? I'm going to wear earmuffs when I drive my car from now on to block out that sound. 
So I'm going to keep driving it until it explodes, but I won't be able to hear it so it won't be happening. That's what we kind of do as humans with our bodies. We say, oh, it's rattling, like something bad's happening, but I'm going to put earmuffs on and just ignore the our bodies going, ogre, ogre, like something freaking terrible is happening inside me. Like, look inside and check it out. But instead, we just gaffer tape the bonnet closed and, and put earmuffs on and keep driving. And you're like, don't put earmuffs on. Open the hood. Check it out. Replace your starter motor. Like, you know, put different fuel in. Change the oil. Like, give it a clean. We just wouldn't do what we do to our bodies to our cars like most people treat our cars better than we treat our actual bodies it's crazy well i I think it it's most people just don't know any better i certainly didn't i mean i mentioned like i had never experienced feeling the way that i do now i had never experienced good health in the way that i do now and you know in 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 hindsight i'm i'm you know i'm so I mean, I I feel so grateful that someone cared about me enough to say, you know, hey, let's try this and, and did everything in my partner did everything in his power to make that change easy for me to facilitate it to make it fun. He's a nutritional chef and, and he's very talented and makes the most beautiful food. So I mean, I had that on my side, too. I know I'm very That's awesome. You're so lucky. And lucky in that way. Yeah. <laughs> but but ultimately, I mean, yeah, it's it, it, we just won't educate. Yeah, we just we don't know better. And and from what we're conditioned to eat or all the confusion about, you know, like when you look all over the globe, there's no consensus between at least governments on what people should be eating. So people are just confused all over. They've been you know, ingrained in their habits for their entire lives and thinking about, you know, taking a hard look at oneself and saying, hey, maybe what I've been doing my whole life, like has been wrong. It, it's, it's hard to look at that and, and, and really like, take that adopt a, a, a mindset of self responsibility, even though ultimately, that's, that's where in lies all of our growth and, and all of these wonderful, great things, but but fear gets in the way of a lot of good stuff. So how, just to moving, how far um, after your hospital stay did you meet your partner and start to make these changes? Or how how was your health in between, and when did the change start for you? Sure. Um, so I'm. It, it only changed for me about a year after my diagnosis. So after my diagnosis and um, losing my job. Uh, and I started my own business. I was a baker at the time. So my, my life has really changed. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I started a little bakery business at farmer's markets. Um, I was, and, and even beyond that, then I started working, um, on my friend's farm, making goat cheese, another dream that I was <laughs> living out. So I was doing like these two things that were really like incredibly damaging to my body. And especially now, now that I understand more about my um, illness and, and how it happens, I like, I realized that all of that played a role, but, but anyways, it was about a year before I met my partner. And so, um, and, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I had seen a few improvements in my health, and I attribute a lot of that to 
to really focusing on myself and working through some emotional issues and, and just my outlook on life and maintaining a positive attitude as often as possible, realizing, um, a little bit the power in that. But then, um, when I met my partner and I learned about nutrition first and foremost, that was like the first, the first change, um, that, that was really what like blew the door wide open for healing. So you met your partner and so he, he knew about a plant-based diet or for healing or just? Yeah. I mean, he knew about plant-based diet. He knew that eating animal products was incredibly harmful to the human body. Um, and I think he was, when, when we first kind of started out, um, he was trying to gauge my level of awareness about these things. Cause like, how do you start, how do you start telling somebody and where do you begin? And it's always a touchy subject. And, you know, we had kind of just first met, but, but it was all like, I could tell this was, I mean, this was all just like coming from a place of love and care. So, so nothing seemed scary about it for me. Um, and, and I liked, I liked cooking and making food anyway. So it was all about like experimenting in the kitchen and doing fun stuff. Um, but he, yeah, he had his own experiences with improving his health through nutrition, um, and a plant-based diet. But, but that like commitment to plant-based, um, that, that really didn't come into effect until probably like four months into our, into my first, you know, journey into nutrition, but our, our journey together through, through this, um, and that came from, you know, we just were educating ourselves more and more, watching lots of documentaries. Um, what the Health was one of the big ones that we saw. And and after, I mean, we had just come back from a trip from France where we had been eating all kinds of stuff and, uh, and, and came back feeling like, you know, we're ready to try something different because we weren't feeling so great. And then we switched plant-based and after just a couple of weeks, we started to really feel a huge difference in our, in both of our health. Um, and we just kept going and never stopped. <laughs> Yay, that's so awesome. So what was the first thing you noticed as far as feeling awesome? Like when you started eating a plant-based diet, what were the first few things that you noticed in those few weeks? Um, the, the major things, the biggest things that I noticed were just like my mental clarity and my ability to focus. Those were, those were the biggest things. Like I just, I'm, I'm always in, I, I feel like I'm often in my head. I, I think a lot. I'm, um, trying to understand a lot of stuff. I like researching things, but, um, sometimes I get off track and wind up on Facebook and, and all of these, <laughs> these other time wasters. But, um, but when I switched to a plant-based diet, I just, it, it felt like a fog had been lifted, a fog that I didn't even know was there, which was kind of <laughs> a little bit, jarring for me but um but once I realized that that simple change of just removing animal products from my diet and mainly it was dairy because as I mentioned I was vegetarian for a long time so I never really ate a lot of meat um maybe you know once a week at the most um but but yeah when when I went plant-based it was it was not even two weeks and I just started to feel I couldn't believe how clearly I could think. And I, 
I thought there was, I don't know. I knew there wasn't anything wrong with me because this all felt great. But I was just like, is this really happening? Like, I, I didn't know that I could think this clearly. I've always, you know, I, I, I don't know. I guess I'd just been living my life one way for so long and, and had never taken a break fully from animal products to really be able to feel those incredibly good effects. And I, I think that, I guess I have haven't eaten dairy for a long time now. Um, yeah, like nearly eight years. So I do. I have like listening to you. I'm just like I can't. I'd forgotten, but you do. I do remember being like blown away by the mental clarity and the lightness and just this clear feeling in my head and in my body. Like it was like it had been like I was numb from the waist down with multiple sclerosis, but it, but it's like a full a full body numbing that you don't even know has been happening. Like you said, like I spent my, you know, 28 years eating dairy, meat, eggs, all those things and thinking, you know, I just feel like this is what being a human feels like. You know, I feel like what humans feel like. (laughs) And then you eat this way and you're like, wow, like my brain feels like a different brain. (laughs) And I feel like a different human in so many different ways. Yeah, it's a really weird and I'd forgotten when you're saying that then I was like yes it's so true like now I feel so good and you always think why doesn't everyone want to eat this way because it feels so they don't even know and that's what I'm saying they don't know that they don't know that you feel numb missing out on and even if you tell them like really that's one of those things where direct experience really plays a huge role like there's some stuff that we can't learn just from books and and, you know, we can learn from, we can learn from others' experiences, but when you're talking about something that you feel like internally through the body, like I only know, I, I can only perceive the world like, and I only know what it feels like to live inside this skin and, and try and like explain that to someone else. It's, I don't know if that's something that you can really put into words and, and unless, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you can really explain that or, or yeah, you really can't explain that to somebody and have them fully understand because really like I wouldn't have believed it until I felt. I wouldn't have either. I wouldn't have either. And I think that everyone who knows me knows that I'm just super (laughs) annoyingly passionate about this way of eating. (laughs) Um, Sorry, family and friends. But when you say that, like, it's so true. 24-year-old Corinne, which was now 14, oh, my God, 14 years ago, I'm growing up. Um, I'm just realizing so many things are 20. I turned 18 20 years ago. It's just like, oh. But you probably look younger every day now. I do, I do. I think I do. I don't know. But yeah, 18-year-old Corinne or 24-year-old Corinne when I was first, just before I was first diagnosed and you had said, you know, one day you'll be a vegan and you'll be, you know, you'll be like breaking all your family's balls about going vegan like constantly. Um, (laughs) Hear me stop. (laughs) I would never have believed it. I never would have believed it. I would have been like, no, pass me the chocolate, pass me the cheesecake pass me the whatever it is cheeseburger i loved sausage and egg mcmuffins i loved them on the way to work i would get a sausage and egg mcmuffin every sunday when i did my night shift morning shift early morning shift and they were the best if you had said you're never gonna eat a sausage and egg mcmuffin again to 20 year old corinne i would have been like 
Um, I don't think so. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. I was like heavily addicted to cheese for sure. I mean, I, I like had lived you in made cheese. <laughs> I, I baked. Um, I, I mean, I was working on this goat farm making cheese. I had my own goat. Um, I, I used to live in France and I just was a huge, I was a huge terophile fan of cheese and, and, and I just knew so much about all of them. It's a craft to me. And, and I still do have a respect for, for, I mean, I have a respect for all craftspeople and, and people doing something with such care. And I do think that, you know, intent has a lot to do with, with the effects of, of food on our body too. So, you know, like a block of American cheese is not going to be the same as like some fresh chev, like from the farm where I worked, but regardless, you know, there's still the, the actual food itself and what it's made of and how the body reacts with those things that, that you can't, you can't argue with that. I'm just pausing because I was just two, two thoughts again, but I was thinking like people who love cheese, which is probably everyone. Well, most people who are listening, I'm sure are already, <laughs> are already vegans, but there's still some people who are, who are new and aren't vegans who are listening. And, um, and love cheese and everyone has this thing, you know, like I can't give up cheese. I can give up anything else. I don't eat much meat. And most people say I don't eat much meat, but I love cheese. I could never give up cheese. So how, how did you, I, I guess you had a gun to your head, you know, you couldn't see the lower portion of your eyes, which is always a game changer. You're really pretty pretty keen to change your health when your health deteriorates so terrifyingly like yours or mine did and most people who've been on this show they had a gun to their head saying you know you you need to make change or you're literally going to suffer or die for people who've been on the show with cancer or heart disease and those types of things so it is much easier to make a change when you feel like you're backed into it <laughs> backed into a corner but what how did you get over the cheese addiction yourself um I think, well, it was a little bit of, um, you know, just being faced with it all the time when I, I think I mentioned that we went to France right before we became, you know, full on plant-based and it was for my birthday and I loved cheese so much, you know, my friends there were all ready to give me all this awesome cheese. And, <laughs> um, but, but anyways, yeah, I mean, I, when I was in France, I was kind of aware, I mean, I, no, I was aware that casein was a carcinogen. I knew that, that animal protein was harmful to my body. I didn't really fully grasp and, and understand the processes that happened. So it was still a little amorphous. Um, but while I was there, I just decided to, you know, not go all out with the cheese. And, you know, my partner was like, don't go OD with the cheese, right? <laughs> so he's just like, take it easy. You can still have some, but just have a little bit and, and like, and also kind of recognize it for what it is and, and not just get swept away with this, you know, idea of, oh, this is such an amazing cheese for all these reasons. Like it's still damaging to the body. So, so like, let's remember that, you know, in the back of our heads and, um, and, and yeah, that's one thing too. I mean, I always said I could never be vegan because I love cheese too much. I mean, I, those words came out of my mouth numerous times, but, um, to really, uh, really getting over it. I don't, I don't even remember feeling like detox symptoms from having cheese or withdrawal symptoms from not having it because I just kept feeling so good from eating more plants and, and like 
feeling so much better from that or even just like the commitment to trying plant-based for a little while just to see how we felt it was it was all just like a um a series of making decisions based on let's give it a try it's known to help other people there's no harm in doing it and like if it feels good then we'll keep doing it and not eating cheese felt so 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 good and and then just like seeing it started to make me, I think my body started realizing or started being able to speak to me more as I continued to shed the weight and clear my mind out. It was just like, I, I didn't, I wasn't attracted to it anymore. It didn't have that appeal, the smell of it, the seeing it, you know, hearing the name of it, it, it wasn't any good. Cause I was like, that's going to hurt me. Like it's, it's not going to feel good. I think well, this is listening to you talk. I think that what what my takeaway from what you're talking about is 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 educating yourself and talking to yourself like that when you're going to eat. And I think that a lot of people think, you know, I can't. I think when you tell yourself I can't have it anymore, it seems like you're missing something that's really good. But when you talk about why you 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 don't want to eat it, and then when you also just start adding in things like adding in more whole foods, whole plants, and like your partner said, it's a perfect example of, you know, you can have a little bit. Try and eat all of the whole plant foods, squeeze everything of the plant foods in. And if you need a little bit of cheese at the end, have a little bit of cheese. But eventually, just crowd it out so much that there's no real room left for it. And you feel so much better from the plant foods that you start to see cheese for what it is, which is just a block of congealed bovine growth fluid. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> With a lot of mold on it. <laughs> yeah, which kind of sounds gross. Right. But it, we've, we've, we've made it seem so beautiful and amazing. And like, even when you were talking about living in France and making goat cheese and all those things, I was thinking it seems just there's such a romance to it almost, like that traditional cheese making and 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 heart in it it's like you know the whole experience of well it's not just the fact that cheese hits the same receptors in the brain that heroin does like many people are aware of that and just kind of laugh it off without really understanding the full the you know the ramifications it's it's addictive (laughs) you're hooked on it yeah but um it's not something that i miss anymore because i realized how sick that it made me and um, romanticizing it doesn't doesn't help it it just helps it get sold more and eaten more it doesn't help anybody you know feel better truly but I do think we've all been swept up in this sailing of the happy cows in the field and the happy farmers making it with their bare hands and it being filled with so much love when it really, at the end of the day, like you say, like it's addictive, it's bad for us, it makes us feel gross, it's not good for the planet, it's not good for the animals. It's the same reason why I stopped baking the things that I did. That was a, you know, I was, at, before I changed my my diet and went on this health journey, um, I was actually at the point where I was almost about to sign a lease for brick and mortar space for this bakery that I, you know, was successful at markets and I was going to grow my business. But then when I really just understood what I was doing and realized that ultimately at the end of the day, like I want to at the very least do no harm 
And the things that I was creating, though they were beautiful and tasted great and put a smile on people's faces and and probably gave them some sense of happiness in that moment, I realized that it's not just about that moment. It's about overall what is the larger effect of me, you know, of this creation that I've brought into the universe. And like, it's actually harming people. Um, it's not contributing to anyone's health in a positive way, truly. And um, I just, that didn't sit well with me. That would have been a really hard like you the two really passion filled kind of endeavors being a baker and being a cheesemaker and to have that realization would have been like an existential crisis like did you like side <gasps> with those things i mean i like those were part of my identity i was like i'm jenny i'm a baker i'm a cheesemaker like yeah. and, and when you lose a part of that then like what fills the space and and but then I realized like what was filling that space was just like good health and then the opportunity for me to just grow even more into something and then create things that are even more beautiful than a cinnamon roll wow I could talk to you all day I thought to every single guest who comes on the show because I just get so like oh my gosh and just I'm just fangirling about every single person that comes on this because it's just I love hearing your stories and it's such a big journey because like we're only getting an hour but like you know there's so much that happened in your life to get to get you to a stage where you were so sick and 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 then there's so much that kind of has to happen as far as your your transformation like it's not just that you to commit to a plant-based diet is actually committing to you which is hard you know it's one of the hardest people don't want to really even look at themselves let alone commit to yourself so it's massive journey that you've been on and and you know we I could I could talk to you all day just about that you had it's a spiritual journey in a way to get to this place. Absolutely. If you're spiritual or not like it is. Yeah, there's it's there's no way around it once you start lightening up and and just allowing yourself to you know be who you are meant to be like the the body's meant to function well, like the body's not designed to be broken. The body's designed to, to function well, keep us healthy, prevent against disease, just like get us through this life and through our overall journey. And, and the mind has to help too, because we have things that we need to do and work through. And then, you know, the soul is the core of us. And when those things are just so disjointed, like it, and when systems in inside each and every one of those are broken, then how could the whole function well, you know? So can you describe, because I obviously, as I said, we can't, we, haven't, we can't go into everything and I would love to, maybe a different, a different episode, I'll bring you back, Jenny. <laughs> we can go into something else. But so how, how do you eat now for those people who are like, she was a cheesemaker and a baker. So, you know, we know that you were eating, you know, some beautiful, delicious gourmet cheeses and baked amazingness and all kinds of great food that people love in our society so much. Like literally the two favorites outside of like meat, you have their two favorites, dairy and bread. 
like, so how how has your eating changed now? Like, what would a typical day of eating look like for you? People are like, oh my gosh, what does she have for breakfast? You know, like, how do you eat without bread and cheese? <laughs> I mean, I don't even like have the way that I conceptualize food and meals is it's so drastically different than than what the norm is like I don't think about breakfast lunch and dinner I don't eat three meals a day I don't you know I I don't I don't box myself into anything I just like leave myself open to to getting whatever nutrients I need um and I would say like in a typical day um the first thing that I start with is one to two liters of water mineralized water um so that I can flush out whatever I processed from the day before and need to you know release from my body um give myself not just you know plain old water but the put some minerals in there so it's just like water with with uh pink Himalayan sea salt in it and um and then I eat I eat all the fresh organic raw fruits and vegetables that I want um I try to buy as local as possible just so that I can get, you know, local bacteria, um, be as one with my environment as possible. Um, but really, I mean, every day is different, but my two favorite meals that I end up eating most often are, um, like wraps. Um, my partner and I will make like Korean style wraps where we just have like, uh, raw organic, sun-dried seaweed sheets and um and then we you know cut up all kinds of fresh vegetables whatever we have available uh sometimes we'll have a little bit of rice with that or sometimes we when we're going all raw we don't you know and we're not doing grains then we just just do all the fresh veggies which is equally delicious um yeah yeah nice little little sauce to put on there um and then we also do lots of raw soups so we have a sous vide we so we make sure that our food doesn't go above 118 degrees fahrenheit um and yeah we make soups from from the vegetable butts we call it so anything any veggies that we cut up and we have you know the ends left over we throw them in the freezer to make broths with later um, so yeah, and, and and I never get sick of those things. We were just remarking on that today. How each time, like each meal that we make, is different because we're using different vegetables, or it's just a different day, and we you know have it's a different a different moment. But um, but it never gets old because there's so much life in our food that we're just like I, I just feel ecstatic to <laughs> to eat the time that I do. I'm like I'm so grateful. I, I'm so grateful for for all of the plants that give me life, and I'm so grateful for all of the people who put in the work to grow this food to to help me be all that I can be. I was just like I sit at bowls of just just between you and me and the people who are listening to this podcast. But you know when you sit after a while and your taste buds have changed and you and I sit there and you think about the farmers and the soil and all that goes into bringing these beautiful, vibrant fruits and vegetables to you. And I just feel so overwhelmed with like, because I think that when we think of farmers, often we do think of the animal agricultural farmers, but these farmers that grow these beautiful, you know, carrots or tomatoes or apples, or it's just so much rain, the rainbow colors in like a bowl of salad. And you're just like, oh my gosh, all these different people made this and they grew it and they worked with nature. And 
And it's just so, I don't know, I just get such joy looking at my plates of food when I see all of the fresh, amazing colours and uh, it just makes me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) You can't see Jenny's face, but her face is just beaming with like, yay for plants. (laughs) I love plants. I'm a big fan of cuddling my plants too. When I, and like my vegetables, actually, I will readily admit to you know, going to the fridge and collecting all of the vegetables and then I bring them out and before setting them down on the counter, I'll just like keep holding them and I'm like, oh, thank you guys so much. You're so cute. (laughs) 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 And I think... I'm going to have to do that now. I mean, I think that that makes me feel better too, but also from research that I've been doing, it actually does (laughs) increase absorption of nutrients. So how about that? Yeah, I totally believe that. It's funny. Every time you, I don't know, I'm 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 actually going to do a huge aside and people just like tune out if you want. But um years ago when I was at high school in high school, so now oh my gosh, 21 years ago. Anyway, I watched this movie called Like Water for Chocolate. Have you seen this oh, movie? Yeah. Have you? Yeah, but it's it was a long time ago. Yeah, same, 21 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> But I remember you talking and talking and I watched it and I thought it's so true because when you when you have a meal from someone like their emotions and their intent like you said about the cheese like that intent does go in and like in that movie if you haven't seen like what for chocolate you know it's she's all her emotions go into the food so whatever she cooks the people feel that like tenfold twentyfold like what her what her emotions were. If it's hatred or sadness or love or whatever it is or arousal or whatever it is, they feed it. They feel it when they eat her cooking, whatever she's felt when she's making the food. And I really believe when you're talking about your own experiences, like with hugging the plants and with being gratitude, being grateful, like I totally believe that you, when you prepare the food, you get so much more out if you go into it with a good intention, with a loving intention, an intention of creating something beautifully for yourself or your partner or your family or your friends or whoever it is it makes such a I think it makes such a difference when someone if someone makes something for you with love like it's just like this is so much more delicious because I know that you made it for me oh yeah absolutely and not just for a factory just churning it out you know block after block of craft cheese <laughs> you know? yeah and like there's something about meals too that like you know it's it connects us in so many ways when we're sitting down across the table from someone we love sharing food that you may have prepared either together or for the other person. Um, and then like we said, you know, all of the work that goes into every, the growth of every single ingredient that's in that meal. And, um, and each time, you know, I see that, each each vegetable is an opportunity for like <laughs> good intentions because and, and the closer that I know you know who I'm thanking exactly for growing that like if I can say oh yeah that thank you to That's- Rich and Sally for growing me these amazing butternut squash out of their beautiful mineral rich soil like at the foothills of these mountains like it's that that like I can feel the the energy just like I don't know, like lighting up and and just becoming more alive and and like thanking me for thanking everything. I don't know. It's it's this beautiful, beautiful experience every time that I eat. But 
but do it mindfully with an attitude of gratitude. That's so true. You know, now just making me think about how I need to connect more with the farmers that are local at the local farmers market because I think that our relationship, yeah, my relationship with them could definitely be nice to be more aware of them rather than just getting the produce and leaving. Like just talking to them and knowing a bit more of their story would be great. I'd like to know. I never know where their farms are. It'd be great to know where their farms are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean. I- lucky enough to know a lot of them through through being a vendor myself at the markets and and it was really cool too because so many of them had seen me transform and 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 I loved that because then every time I could go pick up my vegetables each week and they'd tell me I'd look so great I'd be saying well thank you for this because look at the life that you're putting into me and and it and you know it, it didn't even really dawn on them until I said that so not just about like you getting to know them, but it's about them getting to know you too. And like seeing the rewards of, of them putting in all this work to not just grow something amazing, but then like what happens next. So I just get so much out of these interviews and speaking to these amazing people. So thank you. I, I'm not hanging up, but I mean, thank you. I'm really, really enjoying hearing and hearing your insights. Cause you know, like everyone so much, so much to teach each other when we, communicate and share our stories and your story is really teaching me so much so I hope that it's teaching the people who listen I'm sure it will be so much too it's just really lovely to hear the way you're viewing life now and how much this way of life has transformed you like it's amazing I can't imagine that woman on that floor in the basement in that hospital to now like it's such you know terrified and alone and scared and sick and can't see properly and overweight and just struggling so much in your physical physical body with so many different things and now to be where you are and you look so vibrant and alive and happy and it's just such a amazing thing to think that food you know like food obviously there's partner and there's so many different factors that play it's not just the medicine obviously the medicine is food but it's also love and support and connection and gratitude and a, a complete mindset self care kind of shift but it's amazing and beautiful to see so thank you thank you yeah I mean it's just it's it's been a a wild ride and and when you say yeah you can't imagine like the difference between that woman on the floor and in the basement of the hospital and now and and I think about that and and I like I it's not that I can't remember how that felt you know being in in that that low point um it's just that I realized, you know, there's in those moments when I felt fear, when I see where I am now, just, you know, not that, not that far later, you know, not that far into the future. How long ago was that? Um, it was almost two years ago, almost not quite two years ago. Um, yeah, so it really wasn't that long ago. And, and just looking at like my transformation in the last 12 months, too. I realize now that like there clearly was nothing to be afraid of and I'm thankful for the experiences that I went through. I'm thankful for, for the illness because I couldn't, my body couldn't hear the subtle warning signs of discomfort from eating things because I had just filled it with so many toxins. So 
you know, finally at that breaking point, you know, that, that alarm finally went off that, Hey, something's seriously wrong. And, and to lose a quarter of your vision, have stroke like symptoms, all of these things, like it's that, that was really something that I'm grateful. Um, I'm grateful for. And that's such a powerful thing to say. Uh, I think that so many people, you know, we have all these people posting things like hashtag fuck cancer, hashtag fuck MS, you know, fuck heart disease. Fuck this. And you're like, no, like it, it's, it's horrible. And I'm not saying I can know that it's very triggering to say this, but for me and for many people that are on this podcast, those diseases, those illnesses were a gift in some ways to us to help us to go, whoa, something significant is wrong and and I need to do something completely different moving forward. I'm not saying that's a gift for everyone because I know that it's, it's you know, I've lost my brother to muscular dystrophy. There's so many diseases that are so just, there's so many people living with these things that are so, so, so terrifying and scary and painful and traumatic. And I know that they can be, but for so many people, they are also just a big wake up call and a, and a gift in that sense. Yeah. And I, I think seeing, I, I've been seeing so many of my friends go through not the same experience that I do, but many of them are, you know, diabetic, type one diabetic. Um, I have several friends who have type one diabetes, celiac, just all these autoimmune diseases. And, and I want like, I'm, I just want for for everyone to be able to figure out, you know, their optimal health, like their their optimal situation so that they're not just confused or not in pain and not going through this unnecessary these unnecessary discomforts or pain or damage when when there's a pretty straightforward solution from at least, you know, a starting point. Yeah. And I think like like you've said and like um Jeanette Murray said in her interview, like we we can say that like, this is this is a whole food plant based vegan, you know, vegan podcast. And we can and, and that, that diet has had so many people has changed so many people's life and health and so in that sense it it is a it is the purpose of this podcast is to talk about this this diet but it it's Je- Jenny's situation and circumstances that we're listening to today are hers and hers kind of alone and Jeanette's was hers alone and it wasn't just the plant-based diet that had to fall into place for everything to work it's it's lots of different things and lots of different personal growth and work and things coming into alignment it's it's there is no one prescription because people might say, you know, I tried plant-based diet for a month, but maybe their partners weren't supportive or maybe their family wasn't supportive or maybe their mindset wasn't supportive or whatever it is. So many things have to come into place as well at the same time. And it's not really about it being like a, a this one this one thing of doing, you know, have a juice at 6am, have a smoothie at 4pm, you know, meditate at 7pm and you'll be right. Cause that's not the form. It's not a formula, you know, you ha- it's, 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 it's an individual journey and listening to yourself and what you need. Like Jenny, if you listened to, instead of listening, researching, getting, getting informed, you know, and you can't just say, 
oh, you know, I heard one person's story. I'm just going to try, try this for a month without informing yourself and doing that research and going out and reading and and really getting it till, till you, it till it's such a belief that you don't, it just is a truth within you almost. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and that just, that, that reminds me of um, what, what education really is. And the root word of education is, is educare, which means to gain knowledge from within. And when you think about like the ways that we're used to learning material, the ways that we're used to, you know, finding out about diets are, you know, adopting different, adopting different diets, trying new things, just like jumping headfirst into things or, or taking the advice of others without, without taking the time to see if that, like, if that's something that you can incorporate into your, into your whole being, you can't just like do something and force yourself into believing it if your heart's not in it. Um, but once you really truly like gain that knowledge from within and it, and it's, contextual it 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 makes sense it's not just like memorization of facts that's when then things just start to click and then you can keep on learning something implementing it moving forward and just incorporating everything into into something bigger yes learning from within and that is I haven't been such a simple 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 way of describing like a complex thing like my father Graham, hello. <laughs> he won't be listening to this, but you know he has prostate cancer at the moment, and you know I'm trying to talk to him about diet, and he he's like I've re- he has read some bits and pieces, and he's watched one documentary, and maybe maybe one maybe one and a half, but you know he says you know he can't commit to it, and I said you know you can, if if you can't into this way of eating, if you can't you know like you need to keep educating yourself, but I can't give you my belief you need he needs to believe it It won't work unless he believes it from the inside you know from within he has to believe it and he and he doesn't so he's you know it's he is where he is I can't force him to sit there and read and watch and learn and like I have he has to do that journey himself and and get that knowledge from within which is which is which is it's probably the hardest part really to all of this. True. Yeah. I face the same kind of struggle with my own family and trying to share, you know, they see my, my dad was actually with me most of the time that I was in the hospital. So he really saw me at my worst, but even through that, um, and, and just through numerous conversations with him about these changes and why I'm so passionate about sharing my knowledge about about food and nutrition with people and nutrition and healing, um, I realized that I was kind of shoving stuff down their throats when they're not, you know, they're not really ready for the information. And, and it's just, but, but I realized that what I can keep doing is, um, explaining to them just my experience and, and, and trying to help them understand where I'm coming from instead of saying, this is what I think you should do. And just saying, here's what I did. It worked for me. Here's why I'm doing it. Here's, here's some resources for you. Take it or leave it, you know? And who knows what one day, maybe one thing that I said might click and, and help him and help them in their path somehow. But, um, but it's, it's not going to help anybody for me to try and push my beliefs on anyone and, and, and force it when 
it really, really, for me, it had to come from within. So it must be the case for many others. <laughs> it is. It's so hard when you love someone as much as what you love your family. Well, most people love their families. So it is for me. I, I swing violently between, <laughs> between being like, do whatever you need to do to be like, ah, come on, stop. You're killing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I care about you, please. I love you so much. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I said to my dad, you know, like to us, you know, you might just be a farmer from a carrot farmer from Thorpedale, a little town where there's 300 people or whatever. But to us, you're like hugely important and you're, you mean so much. And I, I, you know, it really hurts to see someone that you love suffering, you know, and you think, oh, just try this. It's amazing. You'll feel great. And he's just like, I have to believe this. And he doesn't. So it's just, he, I think he believes it for me and about MS, I think for sure. But cancer is terrifying. And I totally understand that it's so different to, with all, everything that goes on around cancer to it's so much more difficult to let go of the terror, terror that comes with a diagnosis like cancer. I think it's a much more difficult thing to be like, oh, you know, I'll just eat plants and see how I go. <laughs> you know, I think that people are like, get it out of me right now. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, you know, like I get that. I, I don't get it because I haven't had cancer, but, I mean, I can, can conceptualise that in my head that it would be super, super, right. super you hard. Think about all that fear that's built up around it mm. you know, from, from, from everywhere. From everyone yeah. that you know, knows someone who's had cancer and died of cancer or suffered from cancer. And so it's just such a triggering, painful diagnosis to receive. So yes, I don't, I, yeah, like Danette says, cause she's had cancer. She just says, there's no one formula. You have to do it you have to do Very it your true. way unfortunately Very true. so i could keep going but i have to cut off because we have time things to do i have things to do my husband's probably thinking i can't play my son at the park for any longer because <laughs> <laughs> i've kicked them out to do this recording so what are your three biggest tips for people just as a starting point they're like i if they're like me and they're like oh my gosh jenny's interview was just so good I want to feel as good as what she feels because if you could see her, you can see that she was just a thriving, vibrant, amazing woman. You'd be like, I want some of what she's got. Um, what What would you do? What, what are your three tips for them who think they want to have what you have? Number one thing I would just say, like, forget what you know, um, because you have to realize that, you know, we're, we're conditioned um, not just from from the media, not just from, you know, people on Facebook, the buzz in the news, everything around us, all these distractions telling us what we should do and, and confusing us. So just kind of like I had to drop everything that I knew and and just kind of start from scratch and, and just let that education come from within, follow my intuition in a lot of ways. Um, and that, that really like helped me just simplify things and not get so bogged down by specifics of, of counting calories or carbs or worrying about these micro details. Um, so that's the biggest one. Uh, the next biggest thing, <laughs> next biggest thing I would say is water, 
water is so important. Like so much of our bodies are made up of water. And so, you know, flushing toxins out, replenishing the supply of water and, and that quality of water there too, and, and mineralized water and, and, and then, and, and also just yet yeah, starting the day with water to flush things out, make it easier to absorb nutrients, like start with that blank slate. So those are two biggest things. I mean, yeah, water just helped me lose so much weight, just really get rid of a lot of stuff. Um, and then the third thing I would say is just, you know, everything's energy. We're all made up of energy and we need to fuel ourselves with, with energy and nutrients. Um, so I am a big proponent of eating as much live stuff as possible because I want to be alive. I want to, you know, give myself live enzymes, these vital live enzymes that my body needs to function and break down the food. Um, yeah, I want to fill myself with life. So those, those are my three big recommendations. Forget what you know, uh, drink lots of water and, and, and eat life, (laughs) choose life. (laughs) Yeah. Eat life. It's such a great way of thinking about it. You know, you're eating dead things, you know, decaying animal corpses or you can eat life. Like it's pretty amazing. Well, and even, even, even when it comes down to vegetables too, they're just, we're the only species that cooks our food. It's, it's not necessary. Our bodies are not designed for it. You know, it can cause more inflammation in in autoimmune diseases. Inflammation is a, a huge worry. It's a huge focus for many people trying to heal. So just reducing inflammation in any way possible. I love to think of my my food situation is just like a fun energy optimization problem. Like how do I put in the highest quality inputs that are going to give me the most life, the most nutrients? How do I keep as many nutrients as possible? Um, and yeah, really it's just, it's fun. such a fun way of looking at a fun energy optimization problem everyone listening this is how you should think of food from now on (laughs) yeah like the first law of thermodynamics is that you can only get out less energy than what you put in so why not like try to keep as much energy as as possible wow it's so true uh i hadn't thought of it like that so it's excellent i'm so grateful (laughs) thank you so much i'm just gonna thank you and i'm so grateful you've given us so much gold in this interview like i'm going away feeling rich and full and even more inspired and i was pretty inspired before this call but now i feel like wow i was gonna have salad with a baked potato and now i'm like no i'm gonna put it in a raw seaweed wrap i'm gonna have that for my lunch All right. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Okay, I am still on a bit of a high after that interview because I loved it so much. Thank you, Jenny, and thank you all so much for listening. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, I put out new episodes every Sunday slash Monday. And if you could take the time to leave me a five-star rating and a really kind review (laughs) or even a bit kind review... It would really help more people to find this podcast and it would 
make me so, so, so grateful and basically make you my best best friend forever and ever. Um, sorry, Christy. <laughs> Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Oh, and I forgot to mention, you can find Jennifer at The Nutritional Chefs on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and she is soon going to be on YouTube. So you can follow her at YouTube, Facebook, Instagram at The Nutritional Chefs. And she will be sharing amazing recipes, advice, tips, all great, amazing, delicious things. So you can follow her and become just as fabulous as she is. Thanks again. Bye.